and I think we're good to go. And so welcome to the my, my podcast, I guess. And thanks for being here, taking the time. And, you know, reason this might be a, I don't want to say, it might be a different conversation just because I always felt like I'm an enemy of nutrition, if that makes sense. Because I, I really respect like certified nutrition, you know, dietitians and all that, just because research and the trends are always changing. And people in this field, I've, you know, I admire. I'm just like, I'm glad you're keeping up with it. So I guess maybe first we should start to uh, start this off by maybe kind of giving you a little brief introduction about yourself so everyone kind of knows a little small thing from you, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, sounds good. So I actually didn't start out as a nutrition coach. I started out as a teacher, and I was just telling you off air, I lived in New York City for 12 years, and during that entire time, I taught. Um, but I went through kind of a variety of health struggles and weight gain in my 20s. I gained about 20 pounds in my 20s after college and did what everybody does, which I found, you know, in conversations with people that, that I tried the diet, I tried counting calories, I tried exercising a ton, juice cleanses, supplements, I tried everything that everyone else was doing. And I would always lose the weight for a little bit, not all of it, but I'd lose five, 10 pounds. And then when I stopped being very strict with the diet or program I was doing, I would gain it all back. And then I'd try something new and then I'd gain it all back. Um, and so that went on for the majority of my 20s. And I kind of chalked it up to, oh, maybe it's because I'm a teacher now. And I mean, I chalked it up to aging at one point. I mean, I was still in my 20s, but <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not a teenager anymore. Yeah, my metabolism is slowing down. And then I really decided, you know, other people are able to crack this code. And there are some people out there who aren't in this yo-yo diet pattern, and they've figured it out. And I've always been a lover of research and education, which is part of what made me become a teacher in the first place. Uh -huh. So I decided to just get my hands on as much nutritional information as possible. Uh, I did a deep dive into podcasts, books, scholarly articles. I eventually enrolled in a course to become a certified nutrition coach at the time, just thinking it was more for my own knowledge and my own health. Um, didn't really plan to use that again because I sort of had in my mind, I became a teacher and this is what I do forever. But I fell in love with nutrition research and decided when my husband and I moved back across the country to be closer to family to pursue this as a career and coach people and help them get the same lasting results that I was ultimately able to get just by making behavior modifications, working on my mindset around food hmm. and really living life to the fullest. I don't cut anything out completely. I'm not in any crazy regimen and it almost felt like this best kept secret clients will even tell me now I had no idea how easy this could be no. um, just because we are um, so disillusioned I think by all of the diets and programs and things that everybody else is doing and we think that's the only way and I certainly was there myself um, but yeah started my own business as a nutrition coach left left teaching kids behind but I still teach I would say you know my clients so that's still a part of me and I still, I have a group coaching program. I love creating curriculum and um, it's, it's been really fruitful and awesome. And I've never looked back and I feel like I finally figured out my own passion and what I really wanted to do through my own struggles. 
I love that. Um, I tried being a teacher myself, or I was trying to be a teacher myself, by the way, and I was always second best in my interviews, so I ended up going down a different career path. But yeah, I can relate. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, what so, did you want to teach? Uh, I was trying to do PE was the uh, initial goal, but yeah, like I said, uh, I was always second best in my job interviews, and after a while, I was <laughs> well, just find something else. But yeah, that's good. Find something where you can be first best, right? <laughs> exactly, right? I want to win. <laughs> So when, when you're working with your clients, I mean, do you have a particular client base that you usually go with or is it mainly just people just of all different types of saying, hey, I want to lose X amount of pounds and I want to work with you? Is that kind of how it goes for you or what? I would say if I had to name a client, I would say it's a yo-yo dieter. Oh. Um, so I work with men and women. Mostly women come to me, I think, because I'm female. Um, but I do work with some men as well. And most of them who come to me do have a goal of weight loss. Usually they have a goal of having more energy, feeling more confident, establishing healthy eating patterns long-term. Um, but primarily the goal is weight loss. And we tackle that depending on what they've tried in the past, their, what their personality is like, what their time constraints are like, their lifestyle. Everyone has a bit of an individualized plan, which I think is really important mention that there's not really a one-size-fits-all approach that works for everyone. So right now I have a mom of three young kids, three kids under five, I think. So her plan is going to look a little different from the other woman I'm working with who's single and in her 20s. So I hate when traders will say that thing of everybody, nutrition coaches too, will say everybody has the same 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, kind of, I mean, in the literal sense, I guess, <laughs> but when you look at all of the lifestyle factors that interfere, that's really not the case, right? So we've got to look at um, the plan you're doing and make it work for you so that you can be successful and you can have sustainable results. Yeah. You know, I started um, really getting more into nutrition back in probably 2016, 2017 and learning just because I was taking, you know, I, I, I compete in CrossFit on the side. So I look at food as fuel and it was just like what you said that, you know, I've had people ask me, well, what are you eating? What are you doing? And it's just, well, this is what I do, but just because, you know, this is my lifestyle, this is what I'm doing. It may not always work for you too. And what I'm, I guess my point is what I'm getting at is that people need to find out when they start, you know, working with you or in a diet that they have to find out what works for them. And just because everyone's different, got a different biochemistry, right? And that, you know, just because one thing works for one person, they're not going to get the same results. And that, yeah. And also that some, most people want that shortcut, you know, one week, two weeks that, oh, I don't see any results. I'm just going to quit. You know, they're not looking at the long term, I guess, the uh, results of it all. You know, does that kind of make sense? And that's what seems like these people, yeah. these different weird mindsets about, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you can get results on something like, Octavia, I think it's called, or maybe it's Optavia, I don't know. But it's a series of meal replacement bars and shakes. I have a couple of clients who have done that. And they both lost a bunch of weight, but then the weight came back. So it depends on how you define success. You know, if you think success is losing all the weight and then showing up for whatever event you were trying to lose weight for and looking good at that event, but then gaining all the weight back after, then go for it. I mean, if you want to do that, that's totally fine. But if you're looking for a sustainable lifestyle and you want to lose the weight and keep it off forever, 
um, probably those quick fix solutions are not going to work because there's no exit plan. <laughs> That's the problem. It's once you stop buying the shakes and protein bars, then what? When you go back to eating with your family again and going to restaurants, what's the plan at that point? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a problem with the word, you know, diet, that it seems as temporary in that thing that, you know, I guess that's a mix up in, you know, people I've worked with and I, I don't work with them like you do. I've just kind of offer advice or whatever, but yeah, you know, it's exactly what you said. After four weeks, they're like, all right, you know, I lost five pounds. I'm good. But you know, it's, it's a lifestyle change, you know, and just because you're dieting, you don't, and like you, I think you have like what I looked up on you, you know, you don't eliminate entire food groups, right? Yeah. And that's what yeah, people no. think like, Oh, and this is what's tough. To, that's why I said earlier, this is what's tough talking about it because people have this or certain experts, so to claim, have this dogma approach that, Oh, you have to be low carb. You have to be, you know, I don't know, high protein, no fat or whatever. You have to be keto. You have to be whole food. You have to be carnivore. And it's almost, <laughs> and it's, you know, there's a book called diet cults and it's basically just talking about how these conversations are almost a nightmare to have just because, you know, everybody wants to be right all the time with what they do. And, but there's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, is that kind of your experience? I guess what I'm going Yeah. With? And I think you explained it really well. That's what I started to realize in my own journey is, there are all these different kinds of religions and cults yeah. and people are successful in them. But then my question was, what are the underlying processes and what do all of them have in common? Because they've all got to have some things in common. And there are some people who don't belong to any of these diet cults and they're succeeding. And when you break it down and you look at all of these, I mean, the majority of them would agree, eat mostly whole foods, not ultra processed foods. The majority of them, except for maybe carnivore would say, you know, eat a ton of plants <laughs> and, you know, load up on them. The majority would say eat high quality protein, whether that's protein from animals or from plant sources, that could be a choice you make. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the majority of experts in the world would say, get high quality sleep, manage your stress, move your body. I mean, when we get down to the crux of what actually works, it's very simple and it's kind of boring and it's not something shiny or sexy that you put on a headline or that you put on a bottle and you sell, but still habit change, you know, even though it's simple, it can be tough. You know, I'm not saying it's easy to change habits, um, but it can be easier when you find someone who can guide you to really what's backed in science, what's not somebody's dogma or opinion. Mm -hmm. And then you really have the answer forever. I mean, I don't see myself ever turning to one of those diets or a named program ever again, because I just know here's what actually works. And I've made it part of my lifestyle and it's really freeing. It's the most freeing thing in the world when that can happen. Sure. When you can not only lose the weight, but then maintain your weight forever and not have to start over every Monday or every New Year's <laughs> Day, you know, the new resolution, um, as most people end up doing. Yeah. You know, you just said a few key factors that very, really under underestimated. Yeah, I feel like I hope, sometimes I say words on here. And I'm like, I hope I said that word right. But, yeah, I do that all the time. Okay, good. <laughs> it's not me. But no, it's, you know, sleep. And uh, you talked about stress. And two of the, those are two biggest factors. You know, when those cortisol levels start coming out, it's really hard to get rid of fat. You know, and, you know, I I would say, you know, in my own opinion, that I don't really have a stressful life. You know, it's, 
Um, but other people do, and I see it and just that, you know, with social media there and, you know, people trying to get ahead in their careers or whatever and what they go through. And it's just like, you know, the stress levels are just, and the anxiety is just ridiculous, you know, and it's just, yeah, you're not doing yourself any favors. And then, you know, they can't sleep at night or whatever. And it's like, you know, I've asked people like, how much you get in sleep or how often you, or how many hours are you sleeping? And they're like, oh, I got four or five. I was like, eh. You know, and, yeah. and then, and you know, and I try to get, you know, I'm not saying I'm the winner of sleep, but I usually try to get between six and eight. It's usually my goal. And that, and almost this entrepreneur mentality has not helped anything. And that, you know, they say, oh, you got to have you three to four hours of sleep to get up and you do, do your work and that's what you need. And it's like, that's not really how it works, bro. I mean, you're preaching it right now. And it's just like, you need a little sleep. You need to try to keep, and I guess that's easier said than done compared to, lifestyles as far as stress but I think if you I guess what I'm getting at is that you kind of analyze those things and maybe write down like hey I'm not probably getting as much sleep as I actually said I was or probably a little bit more stressed than I am that start to play more factor not only what you're eating but into everything else yeah and you could even just start I always say start small so if you are listening to this and you're you are a person who gets four or five hours of sleep a night that could be the first and only thing you address just for even a couple weeks um, so go to bed a little bit earlier. That's usually the number one thing. People will say, what are your sleep tips? How do you sleep? Everybody wants the magic pill for everything. Yep. And the majority of people just need to put themselves into bed sooner. Things can obviously work like restricting blue light, maybe reading an actual book before bed instead of scrolling through your phone or, you know, there are different strategies, but the majority of people just need to get into bed earlier. So you give your body the chance to actually sleep more than four or five hours if you're only in your bed for four or five hours it's gonna be really hard to sleep for seven hours you know when i was doing a little research for you know so so i could be a little bit prepared when i was talking to you i found out that and tell me if you've heard this that the average american female i think weighs 170 pounds like 20 years old and up you know and that the average male was 100 190 pounds right now with a 40 inch waist and that Hmm. You know, it's like, and then if you compare that, they compared it to um, somebody in the Civil War. So, what is that, 1886, 1868? I don't know, for those history buffs out there. But, you know, the average male then was 140 pounds. So, is there just, I guess what I'm getting at, is there an issue with the modern American diet right now, just where we push so many of the junk food, you know, cheap prices to get that, you know, for, and that's what y'all you need to eat, you know? And that, is that's it. That, you know, that's just, those numbers just blew my mind when I read that, you know? Yeah, I think it's a whole host of things. Talking, I always talk about kind of the core five components that you should aim for when you're working to lose weight and get healthier. So it's really nutrition, stress management, sleep, movement, and then working on your mindset. Um, But those first four. So nutrition, yes, we have wider availability of ultra processed foods. They're easy to grab. We have takeout at our disposal all the time, fast food. And a lot of these things can fit, right? I don't restrict any of these things. I love a Cheeto now and then. (laughs) Um, But they're calorie dense compared to a whole food, uh, like a potato, right? Or any any whole food, a piece of steak. Um, So the ultra processed foods are going to be more calorie dense and less filling than a whole food because they don't have the water, the fiber, the protein, and all of the stuff that helps keep you full. Talking about stress, I mean, I think we're living very stressed lives. We have more anxiety now, maybe because of social media. So that could be a factor. We're probably sleeping less now. I don't know how much people were sleeping back then, but the interference of blue light, 
talking about movement. We're right. very sedentary now. Um, so I think all of the things, it's not just nutrition. Nutrition is definitely a big piece, but I think we don't move as much. I agree. We have a lot of stress and anxiety and we don't sleep or even if we do try to sleep, maybe the quality of sleep is poor with all of the technology that we have around now or, um, you know, I don't want to just keep hating on social media, but <laughs> you're scrolling through social media right before bed. That could give you, that could make you kind of anxious to not be able to sleep. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, you know, I'm an addict, I guess, as long as everyone else with social media. But, you know, you do notice that, you know, staring at screens longer that I've noticed it myself. That's like, mm, I didn't go to sleep right away. And I'm usually a pretty heavy sleeper, you know, and I've noticed when I do it. But I guess, you know, but it's just weird that, you know, people don't break these habits, I guess. And like you said, start small. And that's one thing that I've always tried to learn, you know, because some people are like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds by this weekend or whatever. And it's like, oh, no, you ain't that. No, that's not right. If you, if you can't do that, great. But that's not the way to do it. But, you know, and somebody will say, well, how can I even start? And so well, like, start small, you know, and it's like, no, I want to, you know, I would never tell somebody. It was like, when was the last time you worked out? And they say five years. Well, don't do that. You know, don't go try to walk five miles or run five miles. Like walk, walk a lap around your neighborhood. See where that goes. Yeah. You know, and it's for yeah. small habits and getting yourself a positive reinforcement in your mind that you just build off of. And people just don't, you know, it's like we've been saying, it's just, they don't recognize that. And just immediately if they don't see a result, they just kick it off and they just, and they don't want to put in a little extra work, you know? And, you know, and there's always a hundred million excuses to say no, or feel like ah, I ain't going to go work out today or I ain't going to go walk today. You know, it's just small things like that yeah. immediately change a person's lifestyle. Yeah. I, for myself, an example I've never been a real heavy sleeper that's something I've always struggled with and I think it's it is so much a self-awareness process of getting to know you and how you are unique and what your body needs and so recently I decided let me try to give up caffeine because maybe caffeine is affecting me even if I drank it before 11 in the day I wasn't a heavy coffee drinker but I thought let me just try it so that was one thing I decided to implement. I drink decaf now, so I still get the ritual in the morning of having the coffee, but I go days without any because it doesn't affect me anymore, the caffeine. I don't wake up needing it. And so that helps my sleep a ton. And then another thing I decided to try is I've been getting more books, hardcover books or paperback books from the library and trying to read more. That's one of my goals this year for myself. And so I thought, you know, why don't I try to do that before bed and turn my put my phone away yeah. and see if that can help my sleep as well. And so it, it's not necessarily fun. I mean, I like looking at my phone. <laughs> I, I would probably rather look at TikTok sure. before I go to bed. Um, so not everything you do is going to be the most fun thing, but then the reward you get in the end makes up for it. So I'm sleeping so much better. And so, and also if you're, if you're reading a good book or, um, you know, I still have the ritual of coffee in the morning. It's not like my life is incredibly worse, but it's these tiny little changes that can add up mm-hmm. and it's a constant reevaluation. I think another problem people get into is they think what works now will work forever. And you've kind of, you're always aging there's always new lifestyle factors. Maybe you have kids, maybe you don't. I mean, there's all these different things affecting your life at different points. So it's constantly reassessing what is going to work for me now and what's going to serve me now. It might not be the same thing that worked five or 10 years ago. Sure. You know, 
I'm glad you said that because this past October, my friends and I did a sober October kind of thing and it was no caffeine, no alcohol. And I didn't realize how much caffeine I was actually taking in on a daily basis. Just, you know, two, three cups of coffee. Then, you know, a fit eight, if you know what those are, it was like a sports drink mm-hmm. or whatever. And then, you know, whatever else I would probably have even more coffee throughout the day. And I just wasn't realizing it. And I didn't, and I would still sleep, you know, I'm usually in the bed by 11 getting up around seven o'clock in the morning. But once I cut it out completely and after a couple of weeks, I noticed I even started dreaming again and I was actually getting that deeper sleep and stuff. And it was like, wow, what have I been doing? You know, I still <laughs> thought I was sleeping, but how much was I actually recovering? But yeah, it's one of those things that like you just said that, yeah, I was not even realizing it until I actually just started writing down like how much, how many milligrams of caffeine or a cup of coffee roughly and then what else I was taking in. So yeah, it's just, it's wild, you know, and it seems like cotton, it's, and I didn't miss it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like what you said, that early morning thing, it's kind of what, it's a part of the lifestyle. It's like a habit, but you had to, had to break that, yeah. you know? And, but once I did, I mean, I'm back on it now, but I don't, I don't drink as much at all. It's like one cup. I'm good to go. You know, that's all. Yeah, for sure. I know. I don't know why for some, I don't know why I just had completely spaced out decaf coffee. I don't know why I thought I had to have caffeine in my coffee. And it tastes a little different. My husband makes the coffee for us every day, but um, yeah, it is. I always tell people when you can, if you can replace something with something else. So it's not this void in your life. So um, if you do decide to cut back on caffeine, for example, switching to decaf or tea or matcha is usually lower in caffeine. Or if you have a habit of eating after dinner while you're watching Netflix, um, you know, just taking that away completely can feel a lot harder and a lot worse. So is there something, instead of eating straight from a bag of potato chips, is there something you could replace that with that's still crunchy and you get that sensation? Um, so you still are eating something, but it's not maybe a full bag of potato chips or an entire pint of ice cream. You know, any tiny modification you can make will add up over time. Um, but it's always good to find a swap whenever possible. You know, it's, I'm glad you said that. It's wild how the food industry can uh, almost manipulate our brains to always want something sweet. And then all of a sudden they want something crunchy, you know? Yeah. I, I forgot what I was watching. It was like a YouTube, like it was one of those com- competitive food people that, you know, stuffed down ice cream or hot dogs or whatever it was. But yeah, it was ice cream. And so he was eating, it was like a five was gallon, does that sound right? Or five pound ice cream sundae or eight pound. I don't know what it was. It was something huge and that no person should ever eat in one sitting. But anyway, he got to a point where he was completely full. And then he asked for like these really extra salty, crunchy fries from the place, threw those down and like his body just opened back up and he kept continuing it down. And yeah, yeah, and it was just like the minds or like whatever's going on in the mind to say, hey, I want something sweet now. I want something salty and then be able to eat this, keep pounding more. It's ridiculous how like the food, my point is that food industry can manipulate people just for that reasoning right there. And obviously I know what they're doing. They got to sell their product, but damn. (laughs) <laughs> right? well, that is a good point though in those food eating competitions that's a great point and good for everybody to realize myself included of you know you even when they think they're absolutely stuffed and they can't eat anymore mm-hmm. they eat fries and then all of a sudden they can eat more ice cream it is crazy how much you can fit in your body <laughs> if you switch from something salty to something sweet back to salty I mean you can fit a lot in your stomach <laughs> and 
just something to be aware of, you know. Yeah. That's one that's thing going I, on. That's one thing I have to watch out that I can still eat, you know, I'm I'm gonna be 36 next month. And I can still eat like I did as a teenager. Like I could easily crush, you know, a, a whole pizza, but if I'm just sitting there hanging out. And even a whole bag of chips, that's my weakness too. But and that's one thing, it's like you gotta be self-aware and it kind of knows like you know, and I, it's, I can't do this every day. I don't do it every day, obviously, but it's just like you can't form that habit because it's easy for me. Like if there's a bag of chips open, I'll instantly walk by, grab a handful. Then I walk back by, grab another handful. It doesn't matter where. Yeah. Like if I see them open, it's just like a weakness of mine and I can't help yeah. it. But also like, yeah, with uh, yeah, eating a whole pizza, it's like I know I can't do this. So it's one of those things that if I start to do it, I got to put up like a red red stop sign of my brain just like stop dude you're good move on go you know go relax you don't need all that your body doesn't need all that you know so yeah one uh practical tip i have for listeners and what i work on with clients if that is your propensity to eat straight out of the bag and you can just keep going and going Mm -hmm. i say you know still enjoy the chips don't make them an off-limits food but just say anytime you're going to have them you have to be sitting down and eating them out of a small bowl and it's incredible how that works because you're still allowed to have the chips. You can have the chips. You have to put them in a bowl and then you have to go sit down with them. And it's crazy how much that takes out, you know, any mindless handfuls from the equation because you can't just eat them standing up in the kitchen anymore. The The act of actually putting them in a bowl and sitting down is tougher. You kind of put a barrier between you and the chips but they can't just be standing up right there. That's a great tip. I would never even thought about that too. Cause I usually just grab the whole bag, go sit on the couch and watch <laughs> or the bowl, whatever. But I want to switch gears a little bit. And just that, you know, like I was saying earlier when I got really serious about more of my nutrition, uh, I was in 2016, 17 and I started working with Renaissance periodization. I don't know if you've heard of them. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah and so, Dr. Nadolski's is it? Uh, in a few years, but probably that sounds right. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah. But, um, I was going to ask, you know, they created a whole template for me and it was basically, I was doing the fat loss one. And so you obviously they have weight gain, you know, I think for their ones for bodybuilding and all that stuff. But I mean, they created a whole template and I actually was able to look at it. It was like, you know, it gave me a list of foods and meal one, you could do something like this meal two, you could do something like this. And that actually helped me, I guess, visualize more of what I was doing rather than just kind of just, this sounds right. This looks right. You know? And like, actually, I think they actually had the, uh, like four ounces of protein or whatever was in it too. Is that kind of what you do with your clients or is it basically, or what, I guess. Yeah. What, yeah. What it depends. So when somebody is trying to lose fat, you have to be in a calorie deficit. So some clients do track calories. But alongside tracking calories, I have them track other things like protein and fiber so that they're actually feeling full because all calories aren't created equal when it comes to feeling full. So that's a problem a lot of people can have when they just open up MyFitnessPal. They also just give you a random calorie number. A lot of people, they have them eating way too few calories, like 1,200 or something. Um, So there's some science behind it of kind of finagling a calorie counting app and making it actually work and so that you're not just the new super beats heart shoes advanced is now supercharged with coq10 support your healthy coq10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day visit radio beats b-e-e-t-s.com and save 15 percent with promo code deal constantly hungry and out of control the entire time you're counting calories so that's one way to go about it. And then I have clients who don't want to count calories because they have done it in the past and they hate it. And they can still be very successful doing something like you're talking about where you do a more balanced plate approach. So I have an abbreviation I call PPFV, which stands for protein, produce, 
fat and volume. And we talk about balancing your plate with about a quarter of it being protein, half of it being produce. The other quarter of it maybe is a starchier form of produce or it's a whole grain or beans. Um, and then you're working on getting a lot of volume. I say volume through liquid, like water, volume through non-starchy veggies. Those are kind of a freebie, right? Like leafy greens, broccoli, uh, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, just you can eat as many of those as absolutely possible, um, the non-starchy veggie category. And we practice, you know, what foods do you enjoy? That's also really important. So you're not eating things you hate. How can you balance your plate at each meal? So you end up putting yourself in a calorie deficit by balancing your plate because you're eating things that help you feel more full. You're less snacky between meals and you're probably eating smaller portions, again, because you're feeling full from the food you're eating. Sure. That makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, certain proteins, like you just said that, you know, and even certain fats would give you that full feeling rather than just stuffing down more chips or whatever you're eating, you know, <laughs> and causing overeating. But um, I wanted to ask you get your thoughts on this. I've never played around with it a lot myself. I've tried it maybe for a day, but with fasting. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Fasting can work really well for some people and not for other people. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people could aim for a 12-hour fast. That's pretty safe and standard. If you think about you stop eating at 7 and you eat again at 7 the next morning, that's not too extreme. And a lot of people could probably be well served by that of kind of cutting off the eating at a certain point at night. And uh, there's a doctor who calls it allowing your body to rest and digest. So if you're eating right up until you go to bed, sure, you're getting that rest and digest period before bed. But again, if you're only sleeping five hours and you're eating right up until you're sleeping and then you eat right when you wake up in the morning, that's maybe only five hours a day that your body isn't digesting food. Um, and it probably is digesting at some of those hours if you eat right before bed. So something to keep in mind, like, can you give your body, you know, it's not a typical intermittent fast of 16, eight or alternate day fasting, but even just aiming for 12 hours could be useful. Um, some people prefer to eat just lunch and dinner, and that works really well for their lifestyle. That, that can be Perfect. great. Um, but a lot of people like breakfast a lot. I mean, I have a client right now who eats breakfast, but her breakfast started being so filling that she wasn't that hungry for lunch. So we moved her to kind of having a bigger snack in the afternoon. And then she does dinner. So she's not doing a fast, but she's manipulating her meals to work for her. So she does kind of lunch, bigger snack, dinner. And that's been working great for her. Um, some people do a full breakfast, lunch, dinner. That can also work. And then, like I said, some people skip breakfast. I have another client who doesn't eat breakfast, and that's fine. But it has to be what works for you. My issue with people in the intermittent fasting community is, it worked for them and they feel great and they love it. And then they start telling everybody you have to do this. And so then somebody will try it and it won't work for them. Yeah. And then they'll feel like they're a failure. And it's just another thing, add this to the long list of things I failed at. And then it becomes really frustrating. Um, so I hate for people to feel like they've failed at something like fasting. You don't have to do it. You can, what it essentially does is it puts you in a calorie deficit because you're cutting out a meal, let's sure. say that you used to eat. So people will lose weight and then say, this is what you do. It's the magic pill. But really, there's no magic. It's just 
you're putting yourself in a calorie deficit. So you can do that in other ways that don't have to be fasting. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I mean, setting up people for success is one of the best ways to do it rather than immediately fail. Then they go back into their old habits and emotional eating or whatever. But I mean, I've, I've only tried that. I only did it for like, I didn't even do it for a day. I did it for a day. And then I was like, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if it worked for me, you know? And I, I went, I think I went eight or 12 hours without eating or I think I only had water or something. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is okay. But, you know, but I didn't see any benefit of doing it long-term for me just because, you know, I got a, you know, I got a really healthy relationship with food. I eat like a boring person, you know, I eat probably the same thing for breakfast and lunch and, uh, <laughs> and for dinner. And it's just, I know what works for me, but um, have you ever heard that if you know fasting does recalibrate your taste? But so like if you are used to eating those sugary or drinking those sugary drinks and eating certain salty foods, it like resets your palate, I guess. And that that way, when you go back to drinking or drinking a soda, for, for example, that you're like, nah, I don't really want this anymore. So, you ever heard that? Hmm. I don't know how true uh, that is. I heard that somewhere. So I've heard people say that um, like if they cut out sugar for a number of days and then maybe they don't crave it as much or things taste really sweet that used to not taste that sweet um yeah possibly with fasting too i mean again if that's something you want to try i encourage people just to try stuff you know but the issue is if you try something and you think that it has to work and if it doesn't work for you you're a failure that's the wrong mindset if you want to try something and think you know i've never tried this before maybe this will work for me and if it doesn't work just think okay that wasn't for me there's something else out there that will work that's a better mindset to have about anything that you try. You're not a failure. You just haven't figured out what works for you yet. Yeah. What is it? Who is it? Edison or whoever invented the light bulb. So you just invented or found out 900 ways not to make a light bulb <laughs> or whatever it was. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, and that's with everything that I've, you know, it took me a while to figure out what works for me. And like, I learned from my failures and like, learn that I probably shouldn't have did that, you know? And, but that's, that's the way I feel like most people learn. And that's why I learn is trial and error. And that, and that's with everything, not just nutrition. That's with everything I do in life. And that yeah. it's okay to fail sometimes, you know? And that's, yeah. that's my whole point that, yeah, that's just you get yourself up. You just keep going. And if you really want to get to your goal of whatever you're doing, you'll get there. It might take you longer than somebody else, but if you just, you know, the whole point of success, a lot of the success to me is just showing up and doing the work, you know? You yeah. figure out the rest of it along the way. Then you start to get more interested like you did and start researching. And then there you go. Then it just takes off from there. So, yeah. Yeah. Really consistent action is, is if there's any magic pill out there, it's consistent action. Oh. It's just doing stuff consistently. And so, again, it sounds boring, but I always say there is no exit plan from a lot of these diets. One thing you have to ask yourself is, is this thing going to teach me how to maintain healthy habits forever? Because it, Weight loss is always talked about. I want to lose weight for X or whatever. And weight maintenance is rarely talked about. So once you lose the weight, you have to keep it off. And that's going to be a forever journey. And people get freaked out when I say that. But it's actually really good news then that the stuff that works to lose weight is kind of the same stuff you'll do forever to keep the weight off. And it's really not that difficult or hard. And it doesn't have to be some fringe thing like intermittent fasting that doesn't work for you. It's absolutely possible to figure out what works for you. But the sooner you do that, the better, because you're going to have to do it forever. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, I want to I talk to you about this just because I'm currently reading. It's called Sacred Cow, and it's by Rob, Rob Wolf. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, there's, you know, there's almost too much information. There's a lot of research out there. And is that part of 
you think that your clients or maybe not even your clients, but just people in general are just like, all right, you know, hell with it. I'm not even going to try because I don't even know where to start at, you know, and then yeah. some of them get lucky and find people like you, but not everybody does. And they're just, mm, all right, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, whatever, who cares? I'll be all right. hundred percent. I call it analysis paralysis. I mean, that's a common mm. phrase used, but um, yeah, there's so many things and it feels overwhelming and you don't know what works. You don't know what doesn't work. You don't know what is actually worth your time, energy, and money. So, and you probably failed at stuff in the past. So you just think, I don't even want to deal with it. Like you have so many other things on your plate. You have a family, you are working. You don't have time to figure it out. And it, that's the biggest issue, I think, or one of the bigger issues is just, just feeling completely overwhelmed. I'm still pretty early in that book. And, but a lot of it is there's so much mis, you know, obviously misinformation, but there's so many studies out there that, you know, throw out there a lot of misinformation and that, um, Basically, one of them was that, you know, talking about how bad meat is for you or whatever, and it causes heart disease. But I forgot how the study exactly went, but it was like, well, they didn't really explain exactly what those people they studied were actually eating. Also, what type of meat, what they were also eating with, you know, their hamburger or whatever, you know, putting down two cokes and plus French for multi French fries and stuff like that. And so, I mean, do you see a lot of that, though, just where everyone's just trying to obviously be right in the food and nutrition or diet world and just and just play to me rather than just, Hey, this is really what was going on. I mean, in your experience, I think so. And I think headlines sell, Ooh, and, that's you know, it's, it's really, if people want followers, right. And they want more attention and they want people to gravitate to their stuff and their platform. So if you could put out a shiny headline, like red meat kills or no. egg yolks are bad again or whatever, then people are going to flock to that and they're going to want to hear more. Um, so I would say if, somebody is saying something or especially there's a lot of people who will say like in the keto community, you have to go low carb and nobody else knows about this. And all doctors are wrong and everything they've ever learned is wrong. And they've been lying to you. And it's almost like we hold the secrets in this community. I think anybody who says we have secrets and nobody else knows them that's a big red flag. Uh-huh. If they discovered the cure-all for obesity, doctors all around the world would be jumping on this. You know, if the research truly supported that the only way to lose weight was to go super low carb, I mean, the majority of doctors want to help their patients with whatever goals they have. So they would be talking about that. Um, and yes, that can definitely work for certain populations. But again, it's this idea that in the keto community, they'll say, everybody has to do this. And if you're not doing it, then you're damaging your heart and liver and all of your organs. And, you know, it's just, there's a lot of myths and misinformation out there. You can eat a banana, you can eat an apple, you can have oatmeal and you can still lose weight. And you can still be a healthy person. No, I mean, this is, you know, part of the book was actually talking about how, you know, the World Health Organization put meat up there with, uh, as far as carcinogenics uh with plutonium right and that yeah and they and, but it was you know i think but it was also saying that you know, they ad- identify it as so i got my dog's ball he's wanting me to play with him. yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> okay and so um but yeah they identify it as plutonium but it was also it's ranked up there with alcohol and stuff but it's like an identifier it doesn't mean that you know eating meat's going to be the same thing as eating plutonium with you and and this is why i always say that i'm an enemy of an enemy of nutrition it's just because when i start reading stuff like that and i was like and I'm like, I admire people like you. How do you keep up with all this stuff? And it just pisses me off. You know, it's just like, 
you know, and I hate, you know, and you know, some, you know, I'm not right in everything I do. And there's some probably there's that cannot be completely right either, but this is the way they made it sound. It's like, well, they're not putting out a whole lot of stuff, especially I think Rob Wolf and Diana Rogers. I mean, I'm pretty, I think they're registered dietitians. So I think they kind of know yeah. what they're talking about, but you know, for yeah, the, for sure. Yeah. For the general though, a lot of people don't, you know what? I mean, I actually talked to somebody on here and she even, she said that statistic to me. I was like, mm, that's not completely right, but I didn't give her any pushback on it. But it's like, that's not, I mean, I see what you're saying, but that's not exactly the full truth. So. Yeah. I think, I think what I try to do is just scroll past any crazy headlines. I mean, I also am super open to learning. I think what a lot of people do is they kind of pigeonhole themselves into one community hmm. and then they have a lot of money writing on that. So if they've said I'm vegan or if they've said I'm the keto person or the intermittent fasting person, if new research emerges that contradicts what they've said they believe in, that's kind of like a house of cards that can fall very quickly of all of their followers. And, um, you know, it can make them look like they didn't know what they were talking about or that they were lying to people. So I think it's important to understand that people have built their entire lives around some of these buzz terms, and then they're going to cherry pick research that proves what they're saying because they want to keep their followers. Um, So for the most part, I just unfollow a lot of people. That's smart. And I do that kind of like a social media cleanse every so often and just look through who I'm following and unfollow people who I feel like aren't serving me anymore. And I just follow kind of a really core group of people with very moderate uh, information and science-backed knowledge. And then I don't feel kind of stressed out in the nutrition space, I guess. I just feel kind of calm. Like, we're okay, we're all just, you know, reading research, really diving into it. And suggesting the basics, you know, that we know work, like eat more whole foods. You know, we're not saying anything really crazy. We're just kind of getting people back to how our body, as you said, like food is fuel. Let's get back to the foods that give us the best fuel for our body. And let's not, let's not be swayed by any of these kind of fringe things that are trying to scare us. No, I mean... You know, there was actually evidence a few years ago that some sugar company pushed off, uh, you know, like there was some heart disease study, I think. I'm going to butcher this a little bit. But, yeah, they, it came out and say, hey, no, say that they got heart disease because of saturated fats and it wasn't because of sugar or something. It may not have been heart disease. I don't remember exactly. Off the top. Yeah. It's just things like that. It's just, man, that's, how can people in this, you know, in this industry be so cruel to – I guess the almighty dollar, which is everything, but just almost, you know, what is the American obese right here? 40 or 50%. And it's, yeah. you know, compared to, you know, these other places in the world who have, you know, blue zones where people were living, you know, what plus a hundred plus, you know, and it's just, I think there might be one in America. If I read that right, I could be wrong on that too. Yeah. The Loma Linda that population. Right. That sounds right. Um, they're the seventh day Adventist. Okay. They're a blue zone. That's in Southern California, right? Yeah, I, I figured it was in California. Well, I want, that's yeah. why I'm a fact checker on here. But uh, <laughs> I know there's one somewhere around here. And the others are like obviously in, like Okinawa. Yeah, yeah, they, they they know what they're doing over there as far as yeah, right? <laughs> they really do. I mean, I don't know why we can't get it right. We just got to feed our faces all night and binge watch Netflix. I don't know. It's, it seems like it's part of the culture now, and that's what they want to push. You know our society too and it's sad you know and just that yeah and, and you kind of said it earlier that you know we just want to sit you know it's almost like cool to sit around and 
watch Netflix and it's a cool, fun trend to do and not actually get up and make yourself happy and, you know, have longevity in your life rather than, you know, when you get 80, I want to be able to at least still walk around. I do a lap in my neighborhood. And it's, you know, that's what, that's how I picture it. You know, and when I'm not a foodie and I know most people are foodies and I, you know, and I, I like pizza and I like to drink a glass of bourbon on the weekends or whatever, but you know, I mean, I know what I'm doing though, for the most part, you know, not a hundred percent, but I know what works for me. But that was one of my goals was that, you know, you know long, I want to, when I get 80, I want to still be able to get up and walk around and not, you know, feel like I have any health issues, you know, and it's, it means something to me, you know, to have that independent. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like nobody cares about that. They're not looking down the road like that. They're just living for now. And I guess we touched on that a little bit earlier, but it's just, it just draws me bonkers. You know, when I see that in people, like, you don't, you don't care that, you know, you can't, you know, walk from here to the store and you're out of breath. Mm-hmm. It's like, that don't yeah. bother, you know, and I know that's not completely entirely just for food, but it's a little bit just walking too. But um, yeah, it just drives me crazy. That's my whole point. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it goes back to what we were saying. Like, it, that that person probably does feel so overwhelmed with where do I even start? You know, I've gotten to this place. I have all these habits in place. What do I even try next? Um, so I see a lot of people who struggle deeply with nutrition, and they want so bad to feel better and to look better and to have high energy and to be able to hike and you know do all the things that are great in life and They've just been really misled mm-hmm. by a lot of information out there. Um, so it's, it's you know, working with people and, you know, I'm trying to reach as many people as possible. It's hard as one person, but I know there are other people out there too doing really good work. Um, but just getting people the right information, I think a lot of it comes down to education of sure. here's what works ignore everything else. Just do these tiny little things, make small changes week after week. You know, one change a week would be 52 changes in a year. That's a lot. That is. Does it, uh, does it bug you that, you know, I guess we'll go back to social media a little bit on this, but you know, like, you know, when Adele lost all her weight or whatever, she was almost kind of criticized for it. And that, you know, a lot of, I guess these big marketing groups almost, and I'm not saying there's anything. Well, there is a little bit wrong with that because, you know, they see these plus size people and they're modeling like, this is a good thing. It's like, that's, not healthy though. I mean, I get, I understand what you're getting at, but that's still not healthy. And I know, you know, accept everybody and, you know, you shouldn't judge anybody. And I agree hundred percent, but that's just, it just kind of drives me bonkers that you can advertise that as that's the new healthy, which it's not. You know, is that- I think, yeah, there's body shaming, which is awful, which is awful, right? Everybody so agree. It's, awful to shame somebody whether they're too thin or they're too heavy to shame somebody for their body 100%. but then in response to that there is the whole body positivity movement there's the whole healthy at every size movement so then there's people reacting to the body shaming that's happened in our culture saying things like you know you can be healthy at any size i know there are studies that suggest some people who are overweight are healthier than others like it's not to say just because you're overweight, you're going to have the same health markers as someone else who's overweight. People who are very thin can also have poor health markers. Maybe they're just, they just don't gain weight, but they eat Doritos all day long. So they could be, you know, skinny fat. I mean, you really can't tell necessarily somebody's health based on their size. Maybe you can kind of, you know, guesstimate. But also my whole thing is like everybody should be able to do whatever they want with their body. Like if Adele wants to lose weight, then she should be able to lose weight. If somebody doesn't want to lose weight, 
fine. You're not affecting me. I agree. Um, so that's my issue. I mean, I know when I was going through my own health journey, I got so much pushback, just even from friends and family of, oh, you don't eat this anymore. You can't come out and do this with us. I mean, when you start making changes in your own life, people like to comment on them and you yeah. kind of your changes kind of are almost like a mirror to that person. And they see, oh, I wanted to do that, but I've never done it. And so let me just chastise Brooke for what she's doing or, you know, it's very strange. People just want to comment on what other people are doing. And um, yeah, I thought that was very sad for Adele. She wanted to lose weight. She lost weight. Good for her. And I get people coming at me, you know, why do you say the term weight loss? Not everybody has to lose weight. And like, I've never said that everybody has to lose weight. I'm saying if you do want to lose weight and you want to do it in a healthy, sustainable way, that isn't a one size fits all diet, I am here for you. But I'm not saying everybody has to lose weight. That's not my message at all. But it all gets conflated on social media. We have all these sound clips of 15 seconds and 60 seconds. And you can't say everything in a minute. And so then people just make judgments of your small sound bite of what you're actually trying to say. It's just, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I went through some of the same things. That's what you said. When I was on RP, you know, that was my whole point was to get down to as, as lean as I could just to see if I could, I guess, you know, and you know, my gym community supported it because they knew what I was doing, I guess. But my whole family was like, you need to stop losing weight. You, need, you, you shouldn't do this anymore. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm not just, I'm not, I'm eating. It's, I'm not doing it sickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm at, you're watching me eat right here. I'm just not choosing to eat that big greasy, whatever. But, but yeah, it was almost like, are you, are y'all upset because you're not losing weight and you want to, and you're just jealous, you're envious of it. But I mean, you can do it too, but in, but you know, I'm not sick. I'm just, I just want to see if I can do it. And I did it, you know, and I actually felt great. You know, I lost, I think only, I mean, I'm not a very big guy at all, like five, six, five, seven on a tall day. And, uh, but I lost 10 or 15 pounds and I just wanted to lean out some a little bit. And I felt great getting that extra weight off, just walking around with them lighter than 10, 15. I felt so fast, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. And it was great. And I just, it just blew my mind. It's like, I don't understand what the problem is here. You know, I'm out there, I'm sitting here eating dinner with y'all and I'm getting, I'm the bad guy because I'm trying to, just lean out a little bit. No big deal. I mean. No, I got that all the time. When I was a teacher, we had lunch on Tuesdays and Thursdays at my school. So it was kind of greasy sandwiches on Tuesdays and greasy pizza on Fridays. And so I just started bringing my lunch, but I still wanted the community of the faculty room. So I would go with everybody while they were eating the pizza. And I would just usually bring my lunch. Sometimes I would have the pizza, sometimes I wouldn't. But people would make that comment of like, oh, you don't eat anymore or no. you're getting too thin. And I'm like, I'm literally eating right in front of you. You see me eating. No. It's not that I'm sitting here drinking water. I'm eating food. But if I was eating a salad, they would say that I'm not eating. And so that's another issue in the country of healthy foods are equated with, for some people, not eating, that you're starving yourself. And what are you doing to yourself? And how sad that the norm is that you should be eating Right. You take out the fast food and the chips all day long. And then if you switch to eating protein and vegetables and healthier sources of food, that all of a sudden there's something wrong with you. It's just, it's crazy. You know, I mean, Brooke, I mean, that was greatly said. And just that, you know, part of it, like according to that book, uh, that book again, is just, you know, we're in a time in our life where we're eating too much food. And it's dangerous rather than too little food. And just that, and just, I don't, I just don't get it why people, don't want to hate on people for being try to be successful with themselves and all of that and just it doesn't make sense and ultimately i guess what you know if anybody can change if they really want to it's just a matter of wanting to and if you don't want to i mean that's fine you know like 
it's kind of what you said that if you're as long as you're not hurting yourself, you're hurting not hurting other people. I don't care what you do, you know. That's it's, yeah, that's your your thing. But you know, if you are unhappy with your health and your weight and your metabolism, there's ways to do this and to get better at it. And obviously, to search out for people like you. So anyway, I know we're getting yeah. kind of short on time, and I just wanted to throw that out there before. <laughs> there. Um, yeah. So um, is there? Um, anything you want to say, or I know you got to, I want you to plug all your stuff before we hop off here, but I'm going to be, like I said, I want to respect your time, but anything else we need? To I mean, I think we covered a lot. Yeah, we did. I, yeah. I ran the gamut there. Uh, yeah. I was trying to like, oh, I got this time. I want to cover as much as I can. So, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, do you want to plug all your stuff? So, uh, if people want to find you and maybe get a chance yeah. with you and all that good stuff. How do they do that? So my website is thehealthinvestment.com and you can learn more about me there. You can apply to work with me. And then I'm most active on Instagram and that's just at the health investment. So those are the best two places to go. Oh yeah. I'm all about the gram too. When I get on my social media, I don't, I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'll have to follow you. Okay, cool. I'm not much of a TikTok person, but, uh, I don't know why I just, so I just got into that. Yeah. I just got into that. I'm actually liking it. I don't know if you ever do Instagram stories. I do. Um, but I used to spend a lot of time on Instagram stories. And so to me, TikTok, it's basically like you're just creating videos, but they're segmented, right? They're not just all one story. So it's just kind of a video here, a video there. So I'm experimenting with it and seeing what it's like. I know it's one of the newer kind of like new social media platforms and there's more growth opportunity on there. So I'm intrigued, but we'll see. Yeah, that's, there's a lot of kids on there dancing too. And that's not me. So. That's the only part of like, I don't actually, when I first found out about it and uh, I mean, we can get this here in a minute, but uh, I was like, I'm not a dancer. I'm not getting on there to dance or whatever, but I did do one on my Instagram though. And I thought it was fun, but uh, oh nice. yeah, but yeah, it was, but now I keep seeing these memes too on Instagram. It's like, I've learned so much more than in, on watching TikTok than I actually did in my public school or whatever it was said. I was, <laughs> well thank you again for sitting down and taking the time and having a little chat with me and all that good stuff um uh anything you want to say again before we uh throw the deuces on this one take it home i just think yeah thanks everyone for listening thank you for having me and i guess if you have one takeaway from this it's that you can start small and see huge results so just take it slow take one small change at a time and i promise you they'll add up cool love it all right uh everyone be good to yourselves we're out here Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.